How can organisations maintain culture in times of rapid growth? And just how important a role does continuous learning play? I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by Seek. Michael Fricaro is the Chief Human Resources Officer at MasterCard and oversees a global workforce of more than 16,000 staff. He joined me at the desk at the HR Leaders Forum in Sydney to discuss how MasterCard has maintained their culture through times of change and why the organisation is focused on developing current and future skills. And welcome back to Talent Talks, coming to you from the HR Leaders Forum here at the Intercontinental in Sydney. And I'm very privileged to be joined by Michael Fricaro, who's the Chief Human Resources Officer for MasterCard in the USA. Welcome to you, Michael. Thank you. Great to be here. Let's talk about embracing change, um, the digital transformation within your business, but also I'm interested for the HR um, industry in general as well. Obviously, you're one of the key leaders within that. Um, How does HR stay on the front foot? Um, in terms of embracing change, but also directing and guiding the business and the industry through that. For me, it's, it always starts with the uh, the business. You know, what is what is it that that our businesses are looking to address? Mm. And most of the businesses that we've heard speak today, um, our business as well, there is an element of transformation that's occurring, and the trans- transformation is occurring because of some of these um, external factors that are that are driving organisations to rethink their business model. Yeah. So, so that's sort of a, a fundamental piece. So from an HR perspective, we have to um, be at the forefront, almost uh, partnering with the business leaders to say, I get where the business is going. What is it that we need uh, that's different to what we've had in the past? So uh, quite often it'll come back to skills. Mm. Um, and we talked a little bit about um, some of the research that we've seen with PwC CEO report that is basically having the biggest constraint to growth for most organizations is having the uh, having the people with the skills to be able to, to grow to the next uh, phase of, of evolution sure. of those businesses. So that's an important part. So therefore, from an HR perspective, it's really thinking about how do we actually serve up um, you know, options to the organization to think differently around the way the organizations are organized, the way that we bring people in, the employee experiences, yes. how we think about the benefits. It's all of that uh, in combination that actually requires an HR organization to think differently about what we actually do to, to support the company. In your experience across across the industry, is it is it easier for HR to get a seat at that table in those decision makings process perhaps than what it was 10, 15 years ago? Or, or do HR almost really sort of have to still go in and, and, and fly the flag and, and prove value and say, hey, listen, I know you want to get to here, but if you don't engage with us, it's going to be difficult. Have you mm. noticed a shift there or? There is a shift. There is a shift. Um, and it is, it's unique in different industries and different mm. organisations. I can I speak from my own uh, personal experience uh, in the different organisations I've worked with where um, HR has always had a seat at the table, which mm. makes it much easier to be able to influence and, and support change for the organisation. Um, but I think a couple of key factors that are happening, um, and this is something which is a little provocative. So, you know, back in the days where there was the big WorldCom scandal and Enron, mm-hmm. where yep. there were major corporate collapses, um, part of it was around uh, certain positions, certain senior officers in the organisations, either hiding the truth or um, misstating financial statements and, and what was really happening, right? Yep. Which clearly is, uh, is illegal and people got locked up. Yep. I think the, the future trend potentially will be in an environment where organizations are called to focus on trust mm. uh, and build sustainable cultures, focus on um, gender equity and pay equity, all these kinds yeah. of themes. 
um, and you read about uh, certain uh, investors like um, Larry Fink from BlackRock talking about in the future they're expecting organizations not just to be talking about their bottom line performance yeah. but all these other environmental social and governance issues and having human capital metrics I actually see a day where the chief human resource officer or mm. the chief people and culture officer will be equally as important to an organization as the chief financial officer and the CEO yeah. and therefore if there is a breach in, um, in the way an organization is seen publicly or the reputation is breached there is likely to be a, a royal commission with the CHRO in the, uh, in the, in hot, the hot seat, in the hot seat basically yeah. saying, why, how have you allowed this to happen? Why haven't you disclosed where there's been misconduct or behavior? Yeah. I actually see that that is a trend yeah. that's likely to uh, potentially, which is not a great thing to, yeah. to say, but I just see the importance of, um, of culture and trust, leadership behaviors is a trend that's emerging more and more so, which is actually putting the, uh, the CHROs of the organizations it much more at the front and center with directors, yeah. with investor communities and so forth. That's the big shift that yeah. I do see happening. <laughs> and as you go through those changes, both at consumer level and also within your own business, um, how do you keep the strong culture? And I, and I imagine culture is something that you spend a lot of time yeah. thinking about. Um, staying strong on and but also looking to change as your business changes as well um, in the right direction of course yes. but um, how do you set about that I guess keeping your great culture but also making sure that it is shifting in line with what your business goals are we start with culture and then we think about strategy structure and people okay. um, and the culture is such a fundamental part of the success of any organization so a couple of things over the last four or five years, we've grown exponentially, you know, um, from a from a headcount perspective. We had maybe 6,000 people six, seven years ago, right. we're now 16,000. Yep. And a lot of that growth has come through acquisitions um, in different parts of the world, as well as organic growth. And one of the things you can do when you're a small, small-ish company um, is almost know everyone. You know, there is this relationship, yep. there's a level of intimacy. And that's been a very core fundamental of, uh, of our culture, this relationship-based uh, uh, culture that we've had. Um, but as you keep growing at that pace, um, you know, four times what we were five, six years ago, yeah. how do you maintain that, uh, that intimacy is really, really key. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that we, we do. One is around what is the core DNA of our culture? So this thing about relationship-based, uh, these leadership principles that I've mentioned around yeah thoughtful risk-taking, sense of urgency, um, ownership. These are fundamental principles as a core DNA that we instill either through our selection and recruitment processes or through our leadership development uh, programs that we have, as well as in our performance management. So that's sort of a, a core foundation that we have. So that's number one. Mm. The second thing is recognizing that when we're acquiring uh, new businesses, that they will also have a unique culture as well. And quite often integrations break down because there's a culture clash. And so we spend a lot of time up front in due diligence, not just looking at the financials mm. um, and looking at how we bring in the technology or the assets in the organization, but also think about what are the elements of the culture that we may want to reverse engineer yeah. into MasterCard. And so things like innovation, um, or some, uh, some of the acquisitions that we've got have got world-class campus recruitment um, initiatives. Yeah. So we look at finding ways to, to actually bring some of those practices in. So there's a, there's a real value in doing that as well. Um, and then the final thing really is around how do we 
ensure that we've got this globality. And so we do a lot uh, in terms of moving talent around. So we'll move talent from the MasterCard mothership into the acquisition, so you've got this cross-fertilization okay. yeah. of, uh, of skills and, and culture, and that really helps the newly acquired company help them navigate through yep. the various touch points because someone has got that institutional knowledge comes in, and vice versa, we take people out of, um, out of the acquisitions and put them into different parts of the organization so that they actually come up to speed up the learning curve really quickly about MasterCard, and then we move them back into um, into their into their business, wow. and that's another way of, uh, of of ensuring that we've got this culture uh, that's uh, transferred yeah. around the company. How often do you review your culture? A lot of organisations do grapple with culture. Yeah. And the concept <laughs> is: is it a set and forget thing? Um, because it's obviously a huge mission to arrive at a culture. Um, or, or how do you go about that at Mastercard? Yeah, so we, we do a couple of things. We have uh, an annual pulse survey. Yep. Uh, so we, uh, we survey our employees um, around the world to understand you know, their level of commitment, their pride, all the, all the usual things that you would see from a, an engagement or pulse survey. So we do that annually. With newly acquired businesses, we normally do within 18 months, three pulse checks. Uh, because it's important with a newly acquired business just to have a sense check of what's working, what's not working, where are the gaps. And so it's, a, it's more frequent in, uh, in newly acquired businesses. So these are sort of the formal ways that we um, evaluate and assess culture. We do a couple of other things as well. I've got someone in the, um, in the HR team that focuses on social media. So we will okay. we'll draw down information um, and impressions that people have made. So we look at that in terms of sentiment and what are some of the themes. Mm. And that's always useful because, yeah. you know, depending on individuals' motivations, if they've left the organization, but yeah. you start to get a, a sense of, of what are the themes that, that people will talk about. So, you know, we, we see things like people love the fact that we've got great benefit programs and, and those kinds of things. Um, but then you may get some, uh, some feedback around um, career development, right? Mm. And maybe some of the themes that you get. So we, we use that as a way to sort of say, is this isolated or are there things that we know we need to, to focus on? And then the third thing that we do um, intentionally is with our board of directors. So every time, uh, most four times out of the five meetings that we have with the directors, uh, typically we have one-on-one -on -one sessions for certain talent that we've got in the organization that mm -hmm. get to meet uh, certain members, certain directors of the board. Uh, we also have sessions, breakout sessions, where uh, members of our uh, management team and even a few layers, uh, a few levels in the organization present a particular topic to the, uh, to the directors. And the directors also, it's really important that they understand they've got a, a finger on the pulse of yeah. the organization as well because that's another area of focus for a board is um, not just leadership and CEO succession, yeah. but also culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's an important uh, you know, responsibility that they have as well. In terms, I guess, the importance to MasterCard, um, how you said about thinking actually continuing the learning, the development, you just mentioned career development, of your employees at, at MasterCard now, how important is that to you and how much time do you spend thinking about it? And um, I guess, how do you start to break down what training you're going to deliver to what people to help the organisation grow? One of the pillars of our people strategy is um, current and future skills. Mm -hmm. it's sort of, it's a, it's a very explicit objective that I have um, to help support the, the business strategy. So the current skills is around our existing workforce. So if I take an example, the sales force, right? Yep. Sales force, vitally important for any organization. Um, but the feedback that we had four or five years ago was that there was so much new product 
that they had to learn products and services, um, how were they able to digest uh, all of these new new things that they had to go and sell to um, to customers? So, um, so we actually set up a, an infrastructure, um, partnering with not just the, the learning organization, but we have dedicated resources that help develop and design um, and curate uh, programs around uh, sales, sales mm-hmm. training, uh, but also the business. And it's, that's a real key enabler. If you, if you have the engagement of the business and they're willing to partner with you, the, the benefits are exponential. Yeah. And that's what we've seen. So we've been able to uh, use investment to provide outstanding tools that the um, that the uh, you know the sales force are able to have learning and be able to do learning uh, wherever they are yeah. at any time. You know that distributed learning model yeah. is extremely important, particularly for sales forces that are always travelling. Sure, I was about to call it blended learning, but you're distributed learning. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, so we have what's a DSA, digital sales aid. Okay. So uh, everything is uh, is pushed through onto their device. Uh, whether it's a new product brief or whether it's some training. So that's, that's sort of a big part of, of that particular um, segment. What we've also done to go one step further is similar to pharmaceutical industries, right? Mm. Pharmaceutical industries have been, uh, is some interesting learning for us, is that before they send out a sales uh, person to sell a particular drug to a, um, to a pharmacy, or to a doctor, they really need to know, you know, all the, the benefits and also the, the side effects of right. particular uh, medications. And before they go out and sell, they have to be accredited. So we've actually put in place for our sales force as well, accreditation. So if they're going out to, um, to sell um, some new technology uh, yeah. or some, uh, some uh, new product that we have, there's a level of uh, familiarity that they need to, to demonstrate and a level of competence that they need to have before we will allow them to, um, to go out and sell. Um, and it's really important for the sales force because until they get the sign-off, um, their bonuses and their, uh, you know, their incentives are then limited by only the products that they've got accreditation for. I was about to say, how does that affect their REM yeah, yeah. for that reason? Okay. One of the other things um, I mentioned for our technology organization, the leadership there is so focused on wanting their workforce to focus on continual learning that we set aside two hours of learning per week minimum so that organization the managers are incentivized to provide the space for people to you know do learning which is which is related to their their job and we find that really starts to shift the culture that this continuous learning is really really key that was michael fricaro Chief HR Officer for MasterCard. To hear more Talent Talks, head to insightsresources.seek.com.au. I'm Hamish Coots.